Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another video from Fantasy Football Scout. My name is Az, and yes, you might notice a few things are different. Firstly... All new graphics. So YouTube has been completely redesigned uh, ahead of the new season. I've uh, been working really hard behind the scenes to kind of get this all, all working. So obviously we've got the music, the starting soon, the kind of new intro video, uh, and then a new introduction screen, new presenter screens, backgrounds, colours, all that kind of stuff. Gone for like a kind of, try to get a kind of a really clean, fresh um, look. Hopefully you like it. If you've got any comments about it at all, do drop them in the comments and I'll read them and feedback to our designer um, as well. If there's things you like, if there's things you don't like, if there's things you wish you we had, um, yeah, be, you're the guys that watch this stuff. So obviously I want to make it as, as good as possible for you lot. So yeah, let me know uh, what you think. You also notice that of course, Reese James is now up on the wall. Again, different format of him to the others. He's been uh, hand-drawn, which is very nice, uh, as opposed to kind of digitally rendered like the others. Um, so that's going to be the format uh, for the next three um, of those who go on the wall. Who, who's going to be next season? Could it be one of the players we're going to be talking about today? Maybe. We're going to be talking today about probably the most requested um, video that I've I've had so far this preseason. Uh, we've got this kind of uh, amazing batch of 8 million uh, midfielders to talk about, um, which we haven't really had kind of like for the last few few seasons and um, this is all a bit new uh, so there's about uh, sort of six of those that we're going to be mentioning um, as well there's kind of others in the kind of the 8.5 bracket someone like Bowen for example who doesn't quite make the cut obviously there's some good 7.5 options people are looking at like someone like Sancho we're going to be pretty focusing on, on the ones that are 8 million um, and whether you need to kind of use a spot a spot in your team um, to kind of make sure you've got the structure to put a move um, between them, which I think is growing more and more important um, as we go. And if it means you're, if you're five at the back or something like that, you might find it a bit harder um, to move one of these guys um, if and when they do explode, because they're such good options. One of them is bound to do well uh, next season. So let's start with the first player on the list, which is James Madison. Um, for the first three, what I've done uh, is I've looked at them th uh, last season and compared that to the season before, because they've all kind of had their, their kind of breakout seasons, um, these three players. So James Madison, um, he had his injuries, had his hip injuries uh, again last season, but he's still got 28 starts out of 38. Uh, really difficult season for Leicester, obviously navigating Europe, navigating all the injuries they got had, you know, really poor, poor performances from all their defenders, from the likes of Ian Acho, who thought might break in. Vardy did well for a bit, but then got injured. It was really stop and start. Even someone like Barnes sort of in and out of the team. The one real consistent all season uh, was the form of, of James Madison. I mean, for him to get 181 points last season, he was 133 um, season before that. He managed 12 goals, eight assists, so 20 goal involvements for James Madison in such a difficult season. You know, he was taking the set pieces. He really kind of did end up as that kind of main you know, talisman figure for, for Madison, which I've always hoped he could, he could hit. I've always had my doubts about whether he would you know, reach that, but I, I've always, you know, widely um, loved him as a player. I think he's, he's absolutely fantastic. And I think last season really was his kind of FPL um, breakout year. Um, so his XG over the season, 8.78. 
So he massively overperformed on that. 12 goals from you know, expected goals of, of nine. So three more goals than he perhaps should have done. Um, expected assists, just four. So again, they were converted um, more. So nearly double. Um, eight assists compared to four. Uh, an XGI of 12.72. So, you know, we're looking at kind of, you know, in, in eight more goal involvements, seven more goal involvements than, than perhaps he should have done. And these stats are getting better and better, um, it seems, at kind of predicting these. And we'll see there's a lot of them that are really close to their mark. But Madison is definitely someone that, that overperformed. Um, in terms of his XGI per 90, 0.46, it's okay. It's not incredible. We're going to be talking about some other players who perhaps did better than that. The worrying thing here is is the kind of um, is there a bit of regression uh, to become because you know when you might have a player like Son who can sort of consistently overperform on on these metrics, but for a lot of other players these these stats do try to do tend to catch up um, with you. I mean the good thing is I mean this this happened in a really turbulent season um, for Leicester. You know Madison having such a such a strong season, really stepping up to the plate and sort of carrying them forward to a lot of victories. Really in the latter end of the season, you know, when he was absolutely superb, when they had the full strength team out and they were, you know, beating Watford by four or five goals and, and, and just genuinely playing really well. So there's a lot of encouragement that Leicester can improve in terms that could carry Madison um, to the next level. Um, the underlying data suggests there's a bit of regression coming, but the general form is, is pretty good. Um, when you compare that to his season last year, 24 starts, 133 points. That's a bang average, really. I mean, he, he was about 7 million uh, last season, 133 points. You know, that's not that great value. Eight goals, seven assists, not bad. 15 goal involvements. Um, again, 3.81 on his XG, so massively overperformed that. Uh, 3.4 on his assists, you know, outperformed that again. Uh, you know, had an XGI of 7.2. So again, overperformed. Are we seeing a James Madison that is capable of consistently overperforming on those stats or are we going to see someone who does manage to regress back to back to the mean difficult to say my hope is that he can really kick on i mean his xgi per 90 is up from last season uh, from the season before 0.3 up to 0.46 really hoping that he can he can carry on we're going to be talking a bit about leicester's fixtures to start he might not be such a factor for us at the beginning of the season but we'll soon know whether he's going to be a real um, factor for us for us going forward bit of a wait and see for me and i'm his biggest fan so if i'm saying that then he probably is wise to, to wait and see so next up we have Bakayo Saka again a player who had a absolutely astounding season um, last year both for Arsenal although they just messed out on the top four um, but personally you know really kicked up and, and became this kind of elite FPO option um, for us 36 starts only missed two um, two games uh, FPL points 179, so nearly getting into that 200-point bracket. Uh, 11 goals and a seven assists, so less less goal involvements overall with with 18 than, than Madison. Um, but again, more points, more starts, less injuries. Um, took penalties for a bit um, as well, and really kind of came shone through as that kind of talisman figure for for Arsenal in the same way that Madison did um, for Leicester. Um, is it is expected stats are interesting? An xG of 11.26 that puts him bang on in terms of how many goals he got on 11. Uh, expected assists 6.85 that puts him bang on where his assists were in terms of seven. Uh, and expected goal involvement of 18 is exactly what he got um, overall. So an expected goal involvement per 90 of 0.54. So expected to get something for you um, every two games. Absolutely brilliant value for his price tag, which was I believe was 6.5. Um, and just someone who, you know, I think is is young and is obviously going to kick on and, and put the disappointment of the of the Euros uh, to one side to have such a, such a strong season. Um, looking at his starts in the season before that, I mean, he had 30 starts, 114 points, um, five goals, three assists. So again, he's doubled his goals, doubled his assists um, as well. Uh, we've only six more starts, so we're still starting regularly, but has now become that kind of much more involved in the kind of like the final the final third and those final kind of key balls um an xg of 6.9 so he was actually under 
performed on, on those of his goals. The expected assists of 4.98. So again, underperformed on that. Not too surprising with, with Arsenal. Um, XGI of 11.88. So really, you know, three uh, goal involvements less than he should have done the season before. An expected goal of a 90 of 0.42. So it's increased on that as well from 0.42 to 0.54. So what do these t- stats tell us about Bakayo Saka? Well, firstly, it tells us uh, how good an option he was for us. 0.54 is putting him in, in fantastic territory when you consider his price. The question mark is, can he? he's going to need to raise that to the next level um, to be worth that kind of 8 million um, bracket, I think. I mean, you know, if he got, got you 180 points um, for 8 million, you would take that. Absolutely. But with an XGI per 90 of 0.54, he might not be, um, you know, so likely to, to get to that, that level. 0.6 is really the kind of, uh, you know, the next level of, of approaching that kind of 200 points, generally speaking, from the stats. Obviously, players can overperform. Um, and Saka's gone from someone who's underperforms now being about where you'd expect him to be. Can he take that next step up to massively overperform um, on these underlying numbers? It'd be great to see for England, for Arsenal, um, for our teams. Um, and kind of for everything. Uh, we know we saw last season him taking more responsibility. We saw him taking the penalties. As I mentioned, it's going to know whether he takes those continuing or whether Marcel is going to come in or whether Gabriel Jesus is going to take over those. Obviously, having penalties massively boosts his appeal um, in that sense. The great thing about Saka, though, is you've got all these midfielder options. You know, you might be tempted by Odegaard. You might be tempted by Martinelli at their price. You know, even someone like Smith Rowe. Lots of people flocking to Jesus now at 8 million. I think he's over 50% ownership. I think it's going to drive Saka's ownership down. We haven't seen Jesus play um, for Arsenal yet. We know he is someone that doesn't always you know, make the most of, of his chances. Is that going to change? Saka is going to be a reliably consistent player, I think, next season. He, he carries on getting about where he should be, which I think he will. And whether we can kick on to that next level kind of remains to be seen. But 8 million, I think he's a good option. I think he's, he's nicely settled in that side. Jesus is maybe a little bit more exciting option. But I think Saka is, is, is more reliable and will do well for a lot of people that choose to go there right at the start. Um, looking at the next player, we've got Mason Mount, also 8 million. Again, these uh, another talismanic figure um, for his side. You know, we kind of thought that was going to be Lukaku last season, um, but it's not. Mason Mount, again, made another step up, I think, to becoming a, such an important figure for that, in that Chelsea side. You know, the, the system that Chelsea played with the wing-backs, with James and Chilwell, um, also so important. The injuries to them really kind of derailed their season. Um, Rudiger was so important as well, but now he's gone. Lukaku's gone off as well. We might see Sterling coming in. We might see some other players kind of step up. But I think, again, we're going to see another big season from, from Mason Amount. Um, 27 starts and for him. So he did have a bit of an injury um, sort of record for, throughout the season. Missed 11 games for them. I'm sure he would have played almost every game if he had been fit for those. 169 FPL points, which is his biggest return. Uh, 11 goals and 10 assists is, is a brilliant return. We all uh, remember all the goals he scored against Norwich, for example, taking off the likes of, um, of Havertz. And what we saw him do was outperform on his XG numbers so 8.8 expected goals and 11 goals in total uh, 6.85 expected assists and he got 10 in total that gives him an xgi 15.65 so around 16 goal involvement something like that when actually he got 21 um, but his xgi per 90 is, is really strong because obviously he had these these less starts than some of the other players that we've mentioned on this list so an xgi per 90 of 0.59 this is why i mean when you get to, when you start approaching that 0.6 territory this is when your underlying stats mean that you're in for a super season or what it looks like so if you can carry on those expected numbers if chelsea can get their act together sort out their system with rudiger leaving get those wing backs fit Get Sterling in, gets a focal point up front that maybe isn't Havertz, um, or maybe it is Havertz. Maybe he 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 will also make that that step up now classified as a striker. But I think this could be another big season 
um, for Mason Mount, especially, you know, given uh, how we did uh, last season. The season before, for example, 32 starts, so more starts, 147 points, so less points, only managed six goals and five assists. So again, similar to Saka, managed to kind of double um, both the attacking returns um, that he managed. Uh, an XG of 6.3, an expected assist of 6.8. So again, didn't massively overperform on those. They were kind of about where we'd expect them to be. Um, an XG of 13.21. So again, un underperformed a little bit, but kind of about where, where his underlying numbers suggest. And then XGI, a benignity of 0.41, um, which is kind of in, in the lower end. So from that to increase from 0.4 to 0.59. And again, it was a bit of a turbulent season um, for Chelsea with all the stuff that happened with Lukaku, you know, with the ownership crisis, with um, the injuries to, to James um, and Chilwell. Uh, you've got to think hopefully next season we'll see a more settled Chelsea um, playing the way Tuchel wants them to play and Mount's going to be a big figure. In that, I will also say at this point, great fixtures um, for Chelsea. Uh, I'll be talking a bit more when I compare these different options later. But I really like the look of those opening games um, for Chelsea. And I'm really not seeing Mount in, in many sides. I think of all the kind of 8 million options I'm talking about, he's he seems to be one of the, the less favoured ones. And I think it's because people are targeting those, those wing-backs. But I think Mount could be someone that, that flies under the radar um, a little bit. And actually, in terms of the Chelsea side, he might be the one that ends up being, you know, one of the best, one of the best players to get in terms of value. So, yeah, we'll kind of see how that pans out. But I really like the look of, of Mason Mount. Um, again, it'd be really interesting to see kind of where, where he, where he, whether he does step up uh, again next season, uh, and can he get close to that kind of two hundred point mark for Chelsea? Because again, for eight million, that'd be fantastic. Going to switch things up a little bit now. I'm going to look at uh, two sets of players together. Um, the first one. Um, is the Man City boys, the Man City midfielders. We have Mares uh, and Phil Foden. Um, I've talked about Madison as, as being a player that I always like and, and you know always admire. Um, I feel exactly the same way about Mares from a Premier League perspective. He's one of my favourite players to watch. I think he's got one of the best touches I've ever seen in, in football, you know, similar to like Messi levels. Um, he can be a bit frustrating, I imagine, um, for City fans. Um, but you can't really deny that when he's on the pitch that, that he he does deliver. But of course, that key thing is when he's on the pitch. Only 15 starts um, for him last season. And, you know, I'm already seeing people talking about, you know, the fact that Sterling's leaving, that Jesus is leaving. Might this be uh, Mahrez's kind of chance? I just don't know how he sits in, in Pep's plans. I mean, Pep was, was preferring him in the Champions League, not playing in the Premier League at all. They then get knocked out of the Champions League and he's not even playing in the Premier League either. I, it's almost like he doesn't trust him in the Premier League, which is strange when you think he's won the title with, with Leicester and all the other stuff. But I'm just not convinced that Pep really sees him as, as that kind of best option on the right. I think it could actually be quite likely that he competes with the other player I'm going to be talking about on, on this screen, which is Phil Foden. Because what happens with Foden, he was playing in that false nine position last season, uh, 24 starts for him. Um, had a bit of a disappointing season, I think, given his, his potential. And I really thought this was going to be the breakout season for Foden, but didn't really do it either from an FPL perspective or from a, from a Premier League perspective, I don't think. Had some great games, but I think under-delivered on, on kind of his promise. Um, as well, I think Foden now with Haaland coming is going to have to find a new position. Is he going to play on the left? Is he going to play on the right? Is he going to play as part of a midfield three? I think the midfield three is probably the most unlikely, given that De Bruyne's there. You've got Gundogan still there, Bernardo Silva, all these kind of creative players um, around. On the left, he's going to be competing with Grealish, £100 million signing. I think with Sterling leaving, I think that is a little bit of Pep saying, you know, to, to as a bit of a challenge to, to Grealish to kind of say, look, we need to, you know, get the most out of you. Um, next year. So are we going to see those two players competing on the left? I think it's probably more likely that Foden moves over to the right and we see him competing with Mahrez um, over for that right-hand spot. Foden has publicly said that he wants to play 
um, on the right. I think that is his kind of preferred position. So it'd be really interesting to see kind of how these two do if that if that is the case. If that does happen as well, again, I think that massively boosts the appeal of Grealish on the left at just 7 million. Um, at the moment, though, I probably wouldn't be tempted by that. I don't know if Grealish has the full trust um, of Pep, but I, you don't spend £100 million on a player um, and then not and then not play them and give up on them. You know, we, we've seen players, you know, initially struggle maybe at City, someone like John Stones. We've seen how how big an impact a player like that can have. I think Grealish, as at his first season, he's going to be looking to really bed in uh, next year. So he's definitely one to monitor. Um, let's just talk about these two players. Let's go back to these. So so Mares, 135 uh, points in his 15 starts, which is an amazing record. Um, 11.6 uh, sort of minutes per point that he gets is actually one of the best in the league. 11 goals, five assists, and 16 goal involvements. That's more than a goal involvement every match. That he's, that he's played in um, an XG of 11.9 exactly where it should be 11.09 expected assists of 3.81 so just marginally overperformed on that and an expected XGI overall of, of bang on pretty much bang on 15 14.9 so does it do basically exactly what he should be doing um, scoring you know good chance getting the chances right and, and, and being about where, where he should be an XGI per 90 of 0.86 is huge absolutely huge and it's why Mahrez is such a frustrating FPL player, because you know if you've got a run of games in the team at 8 million, he'd be in your side, you'd lock him in, he'd be a captain option. You're getting a premium FPL player, you know, for peanuts, really. But you're just never going to be sure, unless there's an injury to one of these players competing with you, you're never going to be sure that he's going to get those starts. You know, Gabriel Jesus moving over to the right last season, who would have seen that coming? I definitely didn't, and that affected Mares, you know, quite a lot. So it could be that Jesus leaving does boost Mares's, Mares's um, you know, appeal. He's not someone that I'm completely ruling out, even though I've had bad experiences with him in the past. But he's someone that I'm definitely going to be wary of. Um, just to put his 0.86 into into context, um, Salah's xGI uh, per 90, and this is including penalties, is one bang on one. So. You know, he's basically expected to get something every game uh, for you. Amaris is big just below that. Um, he has taken the odd penalty, but it's not really something that we, we've seen him regularly um, take for them. So I think he, he's definitely someone to uh, pay attention to, but maybe not start the season with unless we get some evidence that he, he's going to start. Uh, looking at Foden in comparison, I mentioned he's kind of, you know, uh, slightly below average season. Uh, 24 starts for him. I was hoping to see him get around 30. 137 points, which I think is really, really poor. You know, for the false nine kind of striker of City, um, I was expecting more from him. Uh, 15.7 uh, points per minute, which is kind of okay-ish, but again, compared to Mahrez, is, is leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, nine goals, um, just under his XG of 10. Five assists, bang on his X, uh, expected assists of five, an XGI of 15.35. Uh, so just underperformed a little bit on his kind of underlying uh, numbers. Um, an XGI per 90 of 0.64 though is high. It does suggest that these kind of numbers indicate that he could be pushing for, for big sort of returns uh, next season. Um, but again, the goals and assists just weren't really there. We need to see him overperforming on, on some of these some of these metrics to really kind of get into, into that elite bracket. I mean, if he'd started 38 games, for example, and kept up these kind of XGI numbers, we might have seen him get close to the 200-point mark, which is definitely a good place to be. But the worry is only 24 starts. He did miss some quite sort of guilt-edged opportunities for City. I think Pep got frustrated with that in the end, was trying different things and, and you know moving him around a bit. And now he hasn't got that kind of striker position locked we don't really know what that's going to do to his XGI numbers next season. My sense, hopefully, is that not playing in that false nine frees him up. 
a little bit. If he does have, end up on the wing, um, I think we might see you know someone who's tasked a bit more with with creativity, not just dropping back and sort of getting other players into the game, but pushing forward a bit more, getting into dangerous positions, um, and that. Again, I think both of these players are all wait and see for me. I want to see what Foden's role is in the team before I go there. I want to see if Mares can nail down that right hand slot. And just see what happens. I mean, Foden's got that versatility that he can play anywhere across four different positions, pretty much. So that does help him. I think we're going to see him get, hopefully, around 30 starts again uh, next season. Um, and if we don't, I think he's going to be questioning sort of what his role is in that city side. He's got too much talent to be playing 20, 25 games. Um, you know, in a season where he, he he had a couple of little injuries, I believe, but nothing nothing too serious. So, yeah, we'll see what happens with Foden next year. He's really popular. I'm seeing a lot of templates. Don't blame people at all. You know, it's West Ham in the first game and then Bournemouth. But again, if you've got that eight million slot, you maybe want to start with someone else. Um, maybe someone going to work on the next screen and then maybe thinking about moving over to Foden and when he has some some easier games. That West Ham game does give us one game at least to assess how Man City line up and what they're going to be about next year. So Foden, promising numbers, didn't really deliver, I think because of the lower starts that he had, um, but someone definitely to pay attention to, as is Mares. Okay, and the final two players I want to talk about are two players that signed in January for their respective clubs. Both had huge impacts uh, on the seasons of Liverpool and Spurs. Uh, we'll start with Luis Diaz. Uh, he got 11 starts. For Liverpool, uh, 64 points, so 15.1 um, points per minute, which is kind of equal to where we were talking about with, with Foden. Uh, four goals and three assists. Um, his XG was 4.4, so a little bit underperformance, but not huge. Uh, and expected is a 1.48, so three assists means that they, these the chances were converted uh, more than we kind of expect. And an XGI of 5.92 um, with seven goals, so just about overperformed on what he's about. Now, his XGI per 90 of 0.55 is okay. I mean, for a player who was often used maybe sort of off the bench, you know, against tied legs and then was playing. You know, um, you know, in, in in such a talented player playing for such an attacking Liverpool team, I had hoped to see that that stat be a, a bit bigger than it was. I mean, when you think it's almost half of what Salah's is, um, for example, the thing with Diaz is we don't need to judge him as a 13 million uh, midfielder. We need to judge him as a 8 million midfielder. He had just signed, um, you know, in in January. These are these are good, promising numbers to indicate that with a bit more responsibility, if he's played a bit more, the more he gels with his new kind of teammates. Given that he's got Nunes there now um, as well, um, then you know, are we going to see a kind of a, a different side to him? Are we going to see those numbers, those underlying numbers increase? Can he reach that really clinical level that Mane got to when he was priced at 11, 12 million FPL, but was often giving us the option and, and making us think maybe we didn't always go there um, with Salah there because obviously the penalties and things like that. I always thought Mane was a little bit overpriced. If Mane had been a 10, 10.5 option, I think we would have seen a lot more investment in him. Now, for Diaz to reach that, he's going to need to have a season where he gets close to 200 points. The numbers here don't tell me that he's going to get to that get to that level. I think we, we might see him getting around 170 points next season. I think that would be okay for an 8 million asset. And I think that that base is, is actually quite decent because I think there's always the chance that he could go um, much higher. Um, I think we're going to get a sort of consistent, more consistent minutes for him. I think he's going to be tasked with, with, with giving a lot to that Liverpool um, attack, particularly in the early stage as well, as maybe Nunes is, is eased in a little bit more. What's going to happen with Jota? I think we're going to see Diaz playing a lot kind of on that left-hand side. So the numbers don't scream that he's an essential pick um, to me, but I do really like him. And I do think, you know, given that they've got Fulham in that first game, uh, I think there's a perfect chance to jump on him, see how he does in that, see kind of what his role is, is in, in the side um, and kind of go from there. So I really like 
Luis Diaz. And as we're going to mention a bit later, um, he features very highly in my kind of preferred option out of, out of these. Um, Kulazewski, I think, is, is a fascinating one um, as well. I mean, 14 starts for him, absolutely incredible uh, for Spurs. He signed, I don't think anyone was really expecting the impact that such a young player could have. Um, he was playing like a number 10, I believe, um, in, in, in the team he was at before. Uh, and then he's, you know, Juventus and then comes in and, and is shifted to the right. You wouldn't think necessarily someone as tall as him would, would you know, kind of do as well. I remember Dan Byrne playing for Brighton at left wing back. He was doing quite well there, but you always thought kind of, this he hasn't got the right physical attributes for this. I thought that about Kulisevsky as well, but my God, what an impact he had. I mean, 99 points um, for him, you know, since January. Absolutely incredible. Less than half a season that he had. Uh, 13 uh, points per minute, which is a brilliant return. Because he was 6 million when he came in. Uh, five goals and eight assists. So he overperformed on his XG of 3.62 with his five goals. He massively overperformed on his expected assists of 2.65 uh, to eight. And that was mostly because he'd laid the ball for Son and Son would do something incredible with it. Um, but, you know, right place at the right time. Uh, and expected goal involvement of six. Uh, you know, he massively did overperform um, on that. His actual XGI numbers per 90 of 0.44 is one of the lowest of all the players um, that we've talked about. So I think he was helped out by some really good finishing from other players um, in the Spurs side. But five goals in 14 appearances certainly isn't bad. The trouble with Kulazewski is he's 8 million now. No, and he's competing against some of these other players that we've kind of mentioned. I'm worried about rotation with him. Richarlison's going to come in. I don't know where Richarlison's going to fit into that side, but you've got to think that he's going to get 20, 25 starts in the league for the money they've paid. He's not just going to be there to give Son a rest. He's not just going to be there to give Kane the odd rest. He's going to be really kind of competing. Some rumours that we could see Kulazewski moving to wing back. Are we going to see that if Jed Spence comes in? Probably not. I just don't know where Kulusevski is, and I don't know how he's going to kick on um, from last season. I think he's a gamble with the stats that he's the underlying stats that he's got that indicate this kind of overperformance um, with the signings that Spurs have made. Okay, they've got a great you know first game in, in Southampton, um, but I'm just a bit too worried that at that price we're going to see him kind of in and out the side. He's often the first player kind of subbed if if things aren't working tactically or if Spurs are, are winning comfortably. Lucas Moura can always come on, and you know now Richardson can come on. Um, as well to kind of give him a break or to change things up or to rest his legs, all that kind of thing. So I'm worried. I'm worried about Kulusevski. I was really, really hot on him until the Charleston signed, and that signing has really kind of tempered my expectations of him uh, next season. So out of the two January signings, I think it's Diaz who has the bigger potential um, next year um, in our sides. Not at all saying that Kulusevski can't can't continue to do it. I think he's an absolutely top top player. Um, but he, again, will be a wait and see for me, especially when you've got Son and Kane, just as such good options in that Spurs side or potentially the wing backs in Perisic um, and Spence if he comes in. I think it does just limit um, the impact I think Kudzewski can have early on um, for us. So let's take a look at these players compared with each other. What I've done here is create a table, just looking at the ones that we've talked about so far. Uh, I've filtered by points per game, because of course what we care about uh, is points. Um, obviously the problem with doing this is it assumes all players are equal, and I've mentioned some of the limitations of the likes of Mares and Kulusevski uh, in terms of their minutes. But if things were equal, um, based on last season, Mares had the best points per game of all the players we've mentioned, with 7.8, nearly 8 points uh, a match. Um, which is pretty incredible, really. Uh, an XGI of um, 0.86 per 90, which is you know one of the highest in the league um, as well. Second on the list, interestingly enough, uh, 6.9 points per game is Kulusevski, um, but he did only have an XGI of 0.44, which is the lowest of all the players um, on this list uh, too, only just behind uh, James Madison um, in third. Um, what's interesting is these kind of the first four players on this list are actually very similar 
um, in terms of their their points per game. Um, got Mara's well, sorry, Mara's way ahead in seven point eight. But then you've got the next four: Kulusevski, Madison, Mount, and Diaz, all between six and, and seven points per game. Um, Mount and Diaz, who actually you know had the kind of the the worse uh, points per game, had the better XGI numbers. Um, as well, so Mount and Diaz are two that I'm I'm really really interesting in, and I think Kulusevski and Madison, despite you know scoring more points, uh, might be two players that uh, I think maybe regress um, a little bit next season on these outputs, and I can see Mount and Diaz just just really kicking on uh, next year. Uh, down the bottom of this list, uh, in terms of points per game, is Foden at 5.7. Again, I think that's really disappointing um, for him. But XGI per 90 of 0.64 does indicate that the returns could be there if he does get more starts. And again, we need to see what his kind of position is um, in the side. Uh, and right down the bottom, maybe surprisingly for a lot of people, because he was such a good option for us, um, is Saka um, at 5.4. Now, Arsenal have made a couple of new signings, uh, in, in particularly in, in Jesus. Um, we don't expect Saka's role to change much. I think he's going to carry on you know, playing and being that kind of linchpin in the side um, as well. I think, again, though, if, if he's going to lose penalties, uh, his XGI uh, of 90 of 0.54 might mean that we do kind of look elsewhere kind of in this bracket and maybe look towards Jesus. But again, I think we're going to see Saka flying under the radar. And I'm hoping to see that after such an amazing season for him last season, we really did kick on, that he kicks on um, once again. Uh, next year so again I think he, he's uh, he's probably not someone that I'm going to be starting with um, and he's probably not my pick of the 8 million options but I do think you know um, we're going to see people with him in their size and I, and I don't blame them um, at all looking at the fixtures um, in terms of the attacking kind of numbers City have the best first five att- fixtures from an attacking perspective of all teams which you have to take note of when it's someone like Manchester City um, they've got Bournemouth and Nottingham Forest in their first five um, they've got West Ham, Newcastle and Palace. Three good defensive sides, but those two promoted sides look really, really good. Um, and no sort of games in which you wouldn't expect them to score um, in that. Um, looking at Spurs, uh, they're ninth, for example. Um, they've got Southampton and, and Forest, which look really good. They've also got a Chelsea game in there as well. Uh, Leicester only have one game in the first five that looks really appealing, which is Southampton in game week three. And then they go straight into Chelsea and United. They play Wolves and Arsenal in their first two as well. These you know, are, are sides that we know can defend, which is why I think Madison is, is a wait and see um, for me. Down the next two players, though, I really like the look of. I mean, Mount, I mentioned, going to massively fly under the radar. Really good expected um, goal involvement numbers. Good points per game. Um, Everton in the first game really struggled last year. Then Spurs. I mean, I've, I've put Spurs in red. Anything can happen in, in that match. You know, it's a derby match in London. And they go straight from that into Leeds, Leicester and Southampton. Three brilliant games in which you'd expect Chelsea to score lots of goals in as well. So I really wouldn't, um, you know, over, overlook uh, Mason Mount, and particularly in these first five games. You know, if you're going for, you know, maybe just one of their wing backs, for example, in James or Chilwell, I do think Mount gives you that kind of eight million spot that you can really, um, you know, consider. Um, I really like Diaz um, as well. I mean, the second best fixtures from an attacking point of view for Liverpool. Is there going to be some adjustment with their new players or are they going to click straight in? Uh, does it really matter? I mean, they've got Fulham in game week one. Um, Palace, OK, that's quite tough. United, we saw what we did, they did to them last season. Uh, and then Bournemouth at home and then Newcastle at home as well. The fact it's not Newcastle away, the fact it's Newcastle at home. I think is really nice for those first five. Uh, so again, I think Diaz is, is someone who I'm expecting big things from uh, next season. Uh, and then finally got Saka. Uh, they've got a, got a tough first game, I think, Crystal Palace away. But then they go into Leicester, Bournemouth, Fulham and Villa. This is a nice sort of four fixtures for them, particularly those two promoted sides. 
so again, if you're looking at fixtures, looking at Arsenal, I think we're going to want to tap into that that team uh, in some capacity. And I think Saka's a, a great option. If you don't go for Jesus, or maybe you're maybe not looking at their defenders anymore, maybe they don't have that kind of reassurance with Ramsdale kind of losing a bit of form. We're not sure who's going to be starting a centre back with Saliba coming back in. Um, and, you know, will Ben White start? I think Tommy Asu is a great option. Um, as well. But if you want to tap into the Arsenal tank, it has to really be Saka um, or Gabriel Jesus. So again, it'd be interesting to see where people go with that. So in terms of my own rating, just to round off this video, uh, I think the best option out of the 8 million options to start with is, is, is Luis Diaz. I think, you know, we're we're looking at teams in which we want to see something in, in that first game. And I think, you know, Liverpool starting with a promoted side um, and the fact that I think we're going to have to wait and see a little bit on, on Nunes. The fact that Diaz hit the ground running so well last season is only going to be looking to improve on that next year. Uh, Fulham have, have got probably one of the worst games imaginable in, in that first match. So I think you can easily start with Luis Diaz. If you're not impressed by what you see, you can then maybe move to one of the other players um, too. But in terms of purely for that game week one, uh, match. I think there's there's no better eight million option than, than Diaz. Um, Mount. I put Mount in second. Um, I think he's going to be overlooked by a lot of people. Um, again, I think the fixtures are, are really really nice, especially with Everton in that kind of first game. I'm expecting Everton to really really struggle um, next season. Okay, Tarkowski coming, who's a good signing, but they've lost Richarlison. They might be losing Gordon as well. Um, is kind of you know I don't know I don't know if they're going to make any kind of big key signings. There's rumours that Dennis is going to come in. Um, but I think Lampard's going to have a really tough job there. So it's a great first game for Chelsea um, as well. And like I said, I really like those kind of games um, immediately after that, particularly after that Spurs game um, as well. Uh, third, I've put Saka, just purely because we know he's got the pedigree um, in the league. I think we can wait for him a little bit. We can wait to see if he does have penalties. My sense is that he probably doesn't, given that Mars only took one in kind of the last um, week. But he's going to really relish playing with, with Jesus. They're such hard workers. I think they're going to complement each other kind of really really well and also got such a good opening run of fixtures as well um, that he's someone that I think we should we could get on early with and, and not really look back on he could be a season keeper um, for us if you're willing to kind of uh, back the fact that he's going to kick on again um, from where he did last season I think all the eight million options are good though I like Madison I think Madison's going to be a, a factor for us maybe later in the season I'm not expecting a, a really strong start from Leicester given the fixtures they've got I think he, he he's someone who I think that just brings him down on some of these other players. If he was 7-5, for example, I think you could take that 0.5 and maybe risk him. But when he's in the kind of bracket of Diaz and Mount and Saka, who we know season after season uh, are probably going to deliver, I mean, less so with Saka, but just keep kicking on season after season, Diaz coming into the lead, taking it by storm, um, you know, Mount's growing influence kind of in the side um, as well. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see uh, kind of what happens with that. Because he's got, got the issues with... Um, with, the, with the kind of signings that the Spurs have made. City, you've got West Ham away. And then, you know, it's tricky to know who, who's going to start from that thing. So there's, there's kind of, there's just more risk around a lot of the other players. Whereas these three, I think, are, are bound to have a good season next year and you can't really go wrong with them. So that's my rating. Um, let me know if you agree or disagree with these. Um, if you've enjoyed this video, do subscribe to the channel. Give me a like um, as well. Love to get your comments on the graphics uh, too. So please do drop those in. Um, and I will see you on the next video. Thanks for watching.